Hello and welcome to Cottonmouth Manchester, the podcast brought to you by Citico, the city centre management company for Manchester. As we continue this series on life after COVID, reflecting on the experiences of the last year, what worked, what needs to be changed, what's going to happen going forward, we're back talking to Lucy Powell, MP for Manchester Central. We last talked to her pretty well a year ago, as we all felt we were starting to come out of the COVID emergency and long before we knew about the second wave or even the third wave. And that's referred to a number of times during the conversation. This is recorded just after the local elections and just after Lucy has been appointed as Shadow Minister for Housing. There's a little bit of building noise in the background, which I apologise for. Entirely my fault. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Thank you for joining us again, Lucy. Um, Let's start. It's about a year since we last talked. So um, what's the last year been like for you, um, particularly in your your business role, um, representing business, talking to businesses? I mean, what have you been hearing about how businesses adapted, survived, not survived, had to change? Yeah, it's been an incredibly sort of turbulent, difficult, uncertain, challenging year um, for everybody, uh, for, for city centre businesses in, in particular I'd say um, I think though there's also been actually a, a really um, heartwarming amount of resilience and um, innovation and adaptation um, you know lots of businesses have have taken the opportunity to think more long term about their business and their business sort of model and where that might be going or have diversified into other areas as, as well I mean that's not been the case for everybody of course there's been people that haven't been able to to, to maintain to maintain themselves uh, at all so I think it's you know it's been I think yeah we last spoke didn't we um, just ahead of the, the last reopening or the first reopening yeah I think Eat Out to Help Out had either just been or there were strong rumours and I think you were talking about the strong rumours of you know how do we support business to come out and to get business back sort of thing and we all thought that would be irreversible didn't we at that point yeah. <laughs> um, and then obviously um, it wasn't long after that we you know Manchester went into what essentially became known as tier three over the summer um, and we never got back from that and you know lost that whole golden quarter of the of the autumn and Christmas and um so I'm, I'm amazed really on the whole with that kind of resilience that is there and that determination and that optimism given how terrible it has been for um for, for many for many businesses um and yeah thank god not notwithstanding the last few days that we've had such good weather really um in this sort of in this bit and and again that businesses have hospitality businesses in particular have really adapted to this sort of alfresco dining thing thanks to, to the efforts of um you guys at city co um working with the council that you know you've been able to create all these outside spaces and um pavement licensing and closed roads and everything else that that you know and, and long may that continue i think there are things there that we don't want to go back to to how it was before um so, yeah, I just hope that I think we've not had that many businesses actually close at this stage. What I worry about is that everyone's just about managed to squeak through to this point of reopening, but have got huge debts 
that they didn't have before, debts to landlords, debts to the government, debts to suppliers or to service providers and things. Um, and so, you know, I, I do worry about the next year or so and, and how sustainable that is going to be for, for businesses. And, and I hope that we don't see a sort of further waves of, of insolvencies and things like that late, later down the line. When I think when we talked um, last year, I, mean, I think at that point, I think you'll be being pleasantly surprised by how willing uh, Rishi Sunak and his team were were to sort of talk with your team and, and talk about, just to try and find out what was happening and to provide support. And there, there was a feeling at that time, obviously, that, you know, they came up with the furlough scheme that was sort of almost invented in, in a couple of days, effectively, and, and then they were trying to fill in the holes. And, you know, there are still holes remaining. The, the whole excluded thing, I think, is, is, is major. Um, was through as that process went on and into the tiers, people will be very aware of you know the arguments between Manchester, particularly in the government, and so on. Was there still that willingness to have those conversations? And and at the end of it all, do, do you feel that there were tricks missed by the government in terms of how they targeted support and where they put support? Yeah, I think I think definitely um, a few things. I think look. As, as time has gone on, the holes have got bigger and bigger, really, not, not smaller. I think what they, the original sort of package of support was really designed for three or four months this time last year. It wasn't designed to last for 12 to 18 months. And whilst I think particularly the furlough scheme and to some extent the cash grant uh, scheme has been, you know, done the heavy lifting really and been quite a lifeline for a lot of those um, businesses many missed out uh many missed out on the cash grants or they weren't sufficient or they were uncertain and so on and lots of people didn't get those as you say you've got all the excluded you know and in hospitality and the visitor economy you know there's a lot of people that are freelancers self-employed um company directors and so on who who didn't get who didn't get that support and that that gap's only grown bigger as time has gone on obviously it was a it was perhaps a sort of slightly more manageable gap when you only had to make make it last three months. But if you had to make it last 12 to 18 months, then that's just too big a hole to really fit. I think, you know, what we have seen from the government, I don't want to make it sort of party political, but they've been, it's, 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 not, it's not really their ideology, is it, let's be honest, to kind of support the private sector to the extent in the way which they have. And I think at times that's sort of shown itself particularly last autumn, with the idea that the furlough scheme was going to sort of fundamentally change such that for businesses it didn't really add up. You know, you're going to have to pay sort of 55% of your employees' wages for them to work a third of the time or something. Um, it, it didn't really add up, and we did see a lot of businesses taking decisions at that point um, to, to, uh, to, to make staff redundant. There was a big spike in redundancies around that autumn time and with all that uncertainty about the furlough. So thankfully, they then did kind of go along with it. I think when it became clear that this was not going to be something until the vaccine rollout was going to be something that was going to be very stop-start. Um, but they could, they could have made some of those decisions, I think, early, earlier on. And then, you know, despite lots of lobbying, not just from the opposition, but from business leaders and others, they, they 
they've really been quite clear for the last few months that the package is the package and that's it. You know, we're not, we've we've closed it off now. There's going to be no new avenues of support. And, you know, I think things like the job retention bonus, which then a lot of businesses have priced in as well, suddenly going at the last minute. That autumn period, I think, was probably the the worst of it. Um, Slightly recovered a bit. I think the restart grants, you know, have been more generous than people thought. Um, and they've been good and, and um, reaching more, more people. Um, but, yeah, as I say, I mean, th- th- there's a cost to that, to that stop-start and that uncertainty, isn't there? When I think we saw on too many occasions over that autumn period, the kind of public health restrictions not keeping pace. But, sorry, the economic support not keeping pace with the public health restrictions, and that that came that came at a cost. So, those that have survived through that period, you know, are perhaps in a you know feeling relieved in in the in the period that we're in now. And I think as long as it is now irreversible, which it seems to me really that there should be no reason why it shouldn't be, um, and that confidence can come back, which it does seem to be coming back. Um, you know, quite quite well. I think that that would be that would be good. Yeah, it, it did feel through much of that period that you know, obviously there was a huge push in the in the autumn for let's close everything down because everything's going to be great, and then suddenly getting hit again. Um, and, and I guess I think as, as you say, because it's not a natural position for the Conservative Party to be in to be helping the private sector in such a way, there was an awful lot of pressure to cl- to close it uh, much quicker than and possibly people expected. I mean, tactically, in terms of sort of how you and, and Ed Miliband and, and the team, um, I mean, I, I guess there's a thing where some, sometimes you possibly don't want to make too much of a political issue because actually that will make people dig their heels in and the, the sort of the backstage talk about have you considered this and have you considered, how did you play all of that sort of stuff? Because making too much of a big political, let's be on the Today programme shouting at the government, that's probably not actually going to help thousands of businesses on on, on the street that, that need the money. Well, sometimes it does. Sometimes <laughs> it does. Um, and that's why we do it, because um, I think there, there, was, there was quite a lot of unease on the Conservative side as well during that period from their own... MPs and their own backbenchers as well, because they they were having the same conversations with their local businesses as I was, and um, you know others were, which was the holes were too big, the the safety net wasn't sufficient, and the roadmap at that point was so was so unclear as well um, that you know it was it was just making it now and impossible, and, and so people were making the decisions at that at that point to shut up shop completely or lay off staff completely um, and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, it, you know, that's, that's the art of, of political campaigning, really. Sometimes you've got to build cross-party alliances. Sometimes you have to sort of go for the jugular. Um, sometimes you have to sort of try and work it behind the scenes. Usually it's a combination of all of those things, to be honest, uh, simultaneously. Um but uh, I, I certainly felt, you know, the feedback we were getting um, from, from businesses, we've got from businesses over the last few months, is that actually we've been a lot more engaged with businesses than, than the government have. But a lot of those conversations were sort of shut down um, and, and avoided at, at one point. And that, that, I think that sort of cost the Conservative Party with, with some business people that traditionally 
would be more conservative. I mean, especially in the hospitality sector, you know, I think a lot of people would be more um, traditionally um, maybe conservative uh, or conservative voting anyway. Um, and, 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 and yeah, I think I think a lot of them felt that the sector wasn't being listened to or understood at, at the heart of government. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that autumn period lost. I think there was a lot of even for those who weren't natural Conservative supporters, a fair amount of respect with actually the size of the packages that came out and the support that had come out and all of those. And it felt like it was planned. But the autumn period felt like everything went back into panic. And I think there were there were a lot. I think also the other thing is, is you know, as you, you well know, um, people talk about hospitality as if it's one sector. And it's very, very different being the, the head of Weatherspoons or the head of Mitchell and Butler with chains of hundreds and hundreds of establishments who tended to be the ones pressing to open inside earlier and being an indie or an owner of three or four who was sort of still wanting better weather and a bit bit longer this year. So, you know, actually trying to speak for all of those and, and the big chains tend to, tend to be heard by government, don't they? They're not the ones who are going to be walking down the village Canal Street talking to individual bar owners as, as you would do and, and would come up. And I think that that has been something of a problem, understanding all those different businesses. No, definitely. I mean, and, you know, to be fair, some of the big chains, you know, have had some of the bigger overheads, I mean, in that sense, and and couldn't access some of the cash grants, too, because of this state aid thing, where there was a, a limit on, on um, you know, the, the cash grants they could access. So I think if you if you were an indie, you maybe had, you know, one, two, three, four premises in Manchester and Liverpool or something, um, then you would have got actually this year you would have got kind of pretty okay cash grants and a, and a half decent restart grant for every venue. If you're Mitchell and Butler's, um, there's a, there was a cap on that um, of of eight hundred thousand for the whole of Mitchell and Butler's. So you 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 weren't getting any cash support really for for most of your of your premises. So there were there are different issues there, for different, but it may be that something like Mitchell and Butler's can access more finance privately but they 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 struggled at, at, at some point i think at one point they were it was costing them 40 million pounds a week they closed or something so you know in in in, in that sense it, it wasn't so much that you know i'm more on the side of the indies really i just think they as you say there are different issues facing different parts of the sector and and the point I've always tried to make is it's also it's an ecosystem, isn't it? The visitor economy is an ecosystem. So if you're not if you're not having sporting events, you're not having live music, you're not having theatre, you're not allowed to stay a night in a hotel, and you can't have weddings and conference events, then a lot of the hospitality sector of, of, of Manchester is gonna gonna struggle. Um, if, you're, if, you're over, if you're over near home or you're up near um, the arena, you know that that would be a lot of your a lot of your football. So, yeah, I don't, yeah, the absence of the arena, the absence of football, has obviously been huge for, for, for the early evening hospitality uh, massively. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been interesting in both hospitality and in in retail that the companies that have really struggled, and I'm not talking obviously, you know, individual companies may have struggled because of personal reasons, but they tended to be those that had over-leveraged over the last couple of years. So when you then start to talk about that £40 million bill or whatever it is, if you're actually running on each establishment bringing in 1% as, as your net profit at the end of the day, it becomes really, really difficult, which was a, 
a problem, as, as you're well aware, was already happening and, and has just been made worse. Coming out of it all and, and sort of, well, hopefully coming out of it all and, and sort of looking back, do you think this has shown up some flaws in sort of the way that businesses are taxed, the way that businesses are, are, are financed, that actually we should be looking at anyway, even if we survive? Yeah, definitely. I mean, one of the things that I did, I've just sort of left that business job now on the front bench, but with uh, the former Shadow Chancellor, Annalise Dodd and Steve Reed, the Shadow Communities, we've, we've launched this big commission on the future of the high street, which is also about hospitality as well. And part of that is um, going to be looking at the the sort of tax incentives and other incentives there for, for employers, because over, and especially when it comes to sort of business rates, you know, the government have promised a review on that, but I think for every year for the last six years, and we've still not had it. And, you know, we, we've all gone digital. We've all gone to sort of a different way of, of, of working and, and living. And yet the way that we collect tax, it, it hasn't, hasn't changed at all and is disincentivizing some of the behaviours that we want and is incentivizing the, the the behaviors that we don't want so you know really we should be wanting businesses to invest in communities and places and that means to some degree bricks and mortars and we should want businesses to be investing in people um they should be the activities that we want but our tax system basically penalizes you for investing in both people and places um and, and that can't that can't be right so you know, I think one of the things I hope that Labour continues with is a there is a bigger piece of work on on that going forward because that that's got to be that's got to be part of the, the conversation. I think only possibly review of the council tax legislation has taken longer than review of business rates legislation. So. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, I mean, moving more more generally, obviously, um, your MP for Manchester Central and City Centre. Um, I mean, looking at how city centres, which which you know took more of a pounding than regional towns did, because people were were, were staying local, but possibly not as much a pounding as as the press has sometimes suggested. Um, I mean, what do you think coming out of all of that will have changed for well for good for the next five five six years? Sort of what what have we learned? How will things change? How will city centres look different as a as a result of our experience of of COVID? Well, I think it's a really good question, and I'm not sure we, we all know the answer to that. We don't know how things will really settle down. I mean, obviously, there is going to be some impact, I think, on on offices um, and, and how offices are used, because I think there will be, and there is a sort of desire for people to not be nine to five, five days a week. Um, however, I think what a lot of businesses have then been focusing on from what I've been talking to is then how do you how do you manage people working hybrid in that way so working from home some of the time but being part of the culture part of the the, the social capital as well as you know the, the kind of necessary sort of contact sort of sport of of, of, of working in, a, in an office as well so it may be that you know we see offices not being so much um you know, not needing big offices, but perhaps having within them, you know, more spaces that are used for, for different, different ways of working as well. So, so not just sort of rows of, of desks and things. But we'll have to see how that really settles down. Settles down. I think people will actually probably do more of 
you know, conference events and sort of away days and get togethers and things. So there may be opportunities there for city centres um, to grow that that market a bit as well. But I think it's, you know, it's, it's also about diversity. I think in Manchester, we're very lucky because we haven't got a kind of monolithic sort of city centre model. We're not, if you look at sort of London, I suppose, London's got like the West End, it's very sort of heavily reliant on the theatre and the, the the nighttime economy. You've got Canary Wharf or the City of London that's very dependent on the on the office workers uh, and all that comes with that. Whereas in Manchester, we've really got a kind of a good mix of all of those things. And you know, we 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 really have invested in um people coming back to live in the city centre and that's still going sort of great guns, not notwithstanding sort of cladding and planning issues and some of those issues that 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 might um put put that uh you know hold hold that a little bit. But so so there's that big there's that bigger mix. I don't think Manchester does just rely on on the commuter uh, commuter. And actually as I say I think I think probably what you'll see you'll see more is the visitor economy of aspects of that growing more. Um, maybe the, the the business event side of things growing growing more, and people wanting to get together, but not necessarily sort of coming in every day. So, you know, there the, the, there will be some transition involved in that. Um, I don't think it would all just be a bad transition, though. Uh, I think I think there'll be plenty of opportunities within that as well. Um, but but we'll have to keep an eye on it. <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's really it's, I think it's really hard to judge at the moment. Yeah, the offices podcast that we did a few weeks back did talk about both this this horrible phrase that the flight to quality that there, actually there were starting to be um, companies who were looking for signature offices that were smaller but were sort of in the historic heart of the city rather than sort of glass blocks. So again, you know, typically your your male fifties exec who wants somewhere shiny to show off, but you know they're probably not looking for that glass block that, that they would have looked for a couple of years back but and, and and also those who were major employers possibly looking for offices that were just as big but to have only 50 60 percent of the employees in um because they wanted to spread people out and they wanted to make it more of a sort of a modern office where you have more hot desking and and, and touch points and all of those sort of things so it, but again both of those were things that were sort of happening anyway but but have, have sped up i mean like the the thing that virtually everybody we've talked to has said is please 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 don't go back to um cars going on every road and can we get more greenery and all of that i guess the the few, one of the few good points in the city center is is the the stillness that we've had and the you know seeing seeing more, more birds more plants and all of that sort of thing i'm trying to get as much of that in into the city center as we can do and finding that balance no, definitely, definitely, and I mean, then that's going to take a while to settle down because there has been, you know, there, ha- there have has been people wanting to avoid public transport, so we have seen kind of more people driving in when they are going to yeah. the office. Um, so yeah, again, we've got to kind of reset that. But I think well connect, you know, I think there's this sort of debate happening now, isn't there? About oh, do we need to invest in things like HF two and um, Northern Powerhouse Rail if people are going to be all sort of working from home? And I think all the more we do, because I think what you'll, you you will be getting a lot more of is that sort of satellite working, people needing to be coming to uh, trade events, business events, uh, business meetings um, in Manchester or in Leeds or in London. And um, so I think I think the better connected those cities are, the more they'll become the hub 
for what might be a, a more um, sort of broader um, work travel to work area because you're only doing kind of a couple of days or something like that where you've got to you've got to go in, into the office. So therefore, instead of needing to be within forty minutes of the city centre, you actually can can be further out and, and that kind of thing. So I think that's probably how it all all settle down a bit. But I think it's all the more important that we are connected. Uh, better connected perhaps you know sort of commuter trains in london don't necessarily need the same level of, of i mean they've, they've always been quite well invested but our commuter trains are so rubbish anyway um that we that we can't afford to kind of ease off on that on that trajectory so um but yeah who knows what the future of city centers will be but actually i think i think i think human contact and people getting together and enjoying themselves and you know and, and from a business point of view as well as a social point of view it's probably going to be all the more important in the next two or three years than it was before yeah we've got a podcast coming up in a couple of weeks looking at sort of events and gigs and so on and, and assuming that we don't get a fourth wave or whatever it would be third wave fourth wave um you know the number of bookings that are looking looking like coming through in the autumn is is absolutely huge because it seems to be all the people that have, were cancelled last year plus all the people that were already planning for this year anyway and um, you know, everybody hoping that June will bring the end of social distancing because none of these things tend to work without social distancing. Do you, do you think health-wise, you know, are we, are we likely to be uh, a semi-East Asian type of country where a, a large proportion of people are still wearing face masks in a, in a year or two time? And, and you know, do, do you think some of those things will actually stick? I really don't know, to be honest. Um, I mean, I know in this weather, I'm sort of fed up myself with, <laughs> um, with where it doesn't really go very well with sunglasses either, does it? Um, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, obviously, we are. I think there's definitely going to be a long legacy of those fears and worries, aren't there? And, and, and having lived through it, and, and we'll all be sort of worrying about whether we have to live through it again. I'm sure that, that that will that will survive. But you know, I really hope we can get to a point of um, you know of, of not having the sort of social distancing and some, and some of the mask wearing and things as well. That would be my personal hope, but we'll have to see. How do we um, actually get? I mean, you talked about the confidence issue, and I think that is going to be major. Um, but how do we build back people's confidence in coming into the city and, and town centres? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think it's, I think it's sort of becoming there, really, isn't it? Um, certainly, people, you know, I think perhaps younger people were, had that confidence a bit more anyway, but then older people um, are, are the ones that are fully vaccinated now, and I, I certainly, I, I certainly feel that people who were fully vaccinated, it, it, it's given everyone a massive confidence boost. Anyway, sort of regardless of what the the government sort of messages are, so so hope, hopefully, but I think there's lots of things planned. I know Manchester City Council and yourselves and others. Um, you've got there's there's going to be sort of events happening uh, every weekend, pretty much through 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 the autumn, isn't there? You, you and Gareth and and everyone at City Cove have done a really great job with that, working with with others. So all sorts of kind of festivals and. Um, and events to attract people to come to come back to, to town, and I think you know we're, we're going to need that, and hopefully good weather yeah. as well. I mean, you know, it's amazing what difference the sort of weather makes, really, isn't it? I mean, that first 
three weeks of sort of outdoor reopening, I mean, town was just heaving. It was lovely, yeah. you know, because I think everybody's, and everybody's quite confident about being outside. And in, in a way, I mean, I, I thought it was, you know, it was quite a sort of cautious reopening. But in a way, I think that's given everyone the opportunity to, not everyone, but a lot of people, giving people the opportunity to test how they feel about going out by doing it outdoors on a sunny evening um, where you feel the risks are much lower anyway. And so people have taken that first step. And so as the, as the next steps come, um, you know, and I think all, all the piloting that's been done with the big events and things and that sort of testing program hopefully that, that all those things will, will give people that confidence and, and finally i guess sort of what, what are your hopes and, and fears for the next 12 24 months um well my hopes are that um you know we have a strong sort of recovery and renewal and that and that manchester is you know absolutely at the sort of forefront of that and i hope that we can also build on some of the innovations i think it feels like we, we, we really have finally seen a kind of explosion of sort of cafe society and sort of alfresco dining and loads of bar owners that I've spoken to and restaurant owners and things that I've spoken to, you know, don't just want to keep that now as permanent, keep those roads closed, keep keep that, um, have sort of more pedestrianised areas, more tables outside. For some, for some businesses, they've got, you know, they can, they can have, double the covers that they've been able to have Absolutely. in previous periods so you know i think i think let's let's take what's the best of it and try and and try and use use that and um and and, and build up that, that for the future and yeah i don't know what my fears would be my fears would be that the, maybe that you know there is more uncertainty around the public health or that people never quite really get over that and also, I think for businesses, you know, I do really worry about the, the debt um, issue and some of the big rents that people have got to pay back and, and stuff. And I hope that some of the commercial landlords can do right by their businesses. Very, very mixed reviews about some of the commercial landlords. Some have been fantastic and some have been quite terrible. Um so I hope the terrible ones step up the plate a bit more and give, and give their businesses a break. Thank you. And if we speak again in about a year's time, I'm hoping that we haven't gone back into a, another series of lockdowns. And <laughs> but at the moment, it's looking fairly positive, isn't it? It is. It is. And the uh, it, with the vaccination programme, there's no reason for why, why it can't continue. Excellent. Thank you very much indeed.